0: Good morning, church. God bless you. Um, yeah, I was tripping out too, you know, <laughs> hearing Ava and my, and my daughter singing. And, you uh, know, I was reminded of that this morning. Jesus said that uh, John the Baptist was the greatest. <laughs> No one else born of the womb was greater than John the Baptist, but yet he said, The least amongst these in heaven will be greater than John the Baptist. Is that an oxymoron? Does God not know know what he's talking about? Of course it's not an oxymoron. He knows exactly what he's talking about. What what does the Bible say about the least? The, The Bible says it always refers to children as the least. So he's saying these little children, if they remain faithful to the Lord, they're going to be greater than John the Baptist. Doesn't that blow your mind right there? The least of these will be greater than him. I love hearing those children's voices. The word of God says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets older, he won't depart. No matter what storms, no matter what things they go through, they're going to come back to the anchor who is Christ Jesus. No better way to raise your children than under the admonition of the word of God. Parents don't be too hard on yourselves. It's not what it looks like. It's it's his word won't return void. Do you believe that today? Absolutely. So if you're if you're planting seeds, if you're watering, maybe, maybe you got youth that are rebellious right now. Maybe 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 the word of God's falling on deaf ears. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because it's not you who brings the increase, it's it's the Lord. Amen. I was reminded of that in Zechariah chapter four, verse six. It reads, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. We got to remember this church because it's so easy to get caught up in what we see and, and not walk by faith, but walk by sight. You see, no matter where you and I find ourselves in life today. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And it just seems as if things are getting worse and worse and worse. And it can't get any worse. You got to remember, if there's a shadow, that means that there's light <laughs> casting that shadow. And that light is, is, is God. So he's with you in the midst of your trials. Or maybe you're on the mountaintop and things couldn't be better. Well, remember... <laughs> David was on the mountaintop, not maybe, not necessarily the mountaintop, but <laughs> he was on the top of the home. And, you know, there, there's, there's, there's tests even on the mountaintop, tests of integrity. But either way, whether you're in the valley of the shadow of death or the mountaintop, may we be reminded that it's not by human strength, nor our own craftiness, nor human ingenuity that we will rise victorious. But it is by the spirit of the Lord of God alone. Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. All right, this morning we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going to be going through verses 10 through 13, just three verses. But again, there's so much to unearth in three verses that I probably won't even do it justice. But either way, that's where we're going to camp out this morning. This message is entitled, Those Who Fear God Will Do Well. Yes, you heard correctly, those who fear God will do well. Uh, When you get there, uh, if you have a paperback old school Bible or if you got it on your phone, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you don't have neither, it's okay. We got scriptures uh, on the screen and back of me. We also have old school paperback Bibles in the back. Feel free to grab one. It's a good sound of rustling pages means that you're following along. (laughs) And don't worry if you can't get there quick, somebody will help you out. Either way, uh, scriptures will be uh, on the screens. Once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going, we're starting in verse 10. We'll go down through 13. Okay, so it says, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is also vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. Verse 13. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we just thank you for uh, just the opportunity to come together corporately as, as your body. And we know that you have uh, new and fresh revelation for us as uh, Jesus desires to to pour new wine into new wineskins. Lord, help our hearts to be fertile and fresh this morning so that we could receive the new fresh impartation of the living water that you want to give us so that we won't thirst anymore. So we won't seek after the things of the world to fulfill us, but we will uh, eat of the bread of life and, and and have living water bubbling up from within our own hearts because we've been we've given ourselves over to you and not the enemy. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing upon your people. Would you give us the ability to have discernment and rightfully divide your word? I pray for supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit right now that you would empty us of ourselves and fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit. If uh, there's anything, any besetting sin that we need to deal with, may we deal with it in the quietness of our own hearts right now, Lord, so that we may be a clean vessel for your usage. I know that you desire to do good things for your children, and so we ask that we would be receptive of the good that you would like to bless us with this morning. Father, I thank you and I praise you in the mighty name, in the matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Uh, so last week, a quick recap, kind of to get us up to speed where we're at this morning, we, we looked at the importance of submitting to authority. I know sometimes that can be a daunting task and for any of us that struggle with pride, we have an issue with that authority, <laughs> you know, uh, in the home, the father and the mother, the guardian of whatever children or grandchildren or nephews and nieces the older, the eldest person in that home, they need to be honored. There needs to be submission to authority. In the streets, the police need to be uh, give. They they need to be submitted to. Uh, government officials should be submitted to. In the schools, your your principal, your vice principal, the counselors, they should be submitted to. Obviously, this all happens because we serve uh, a God of order, and He places human beings in, in places of position to keep order. We also talked about yes, there is a fine line. If any person in authority is is, is asking you to do something that's unethical or, or really uh, against the biblical principles, then you have the free uh, you have the right and the obligation to say no. I won't do that, even if it is your parent. If your parents saying, "Hey, come with me. We're gonna go rob Chase. I got the getaway van ready. You just sit in the car when I say go, and you see me come out. We're gonna book it." No, you can say no because it's not right. Man, I'm not gonna steal. I'm not gonna do that. You'd be surprised. You know, all kind of stuff. Join this gang. Smoke this weed. Drink this. Parents doing this to their own children. I've seen it. I have friends. Maybe you've seen people that have been exposed to that kind of stuff. So, obviously, we submit to authority. But if the authority is asking you to do something that is against the word of God, you say no. You see, the more aware we become... Of the purposes of God, the more we're in tune with him, the more we're in line with his train of thinking and his thought, the more we're like, Lord, change my desires and make my desires like you help me to desire and hunger and thirst after what you hunger and thirst after the more we become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the more we will actually be willing to submit to authority in the first place. You know, the fact that if we just have a rebellious heart and we're like, I don't want to submit to nobody, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm a rebel, I'm going to go hard, this is what I do. Well, man, clearly you're not walking in step with the Lord. You're doing your own thing. You're going your own way. Think about way back when. That's what the whole Tower of Babel was about. They didn't want to go the Lord's way. They wanted to construct a a, a tower that was going to reach heaven because they wanted to praise themselves for their own ingenuity and their own accomplishments. We're just a little more sophisticated. We're still doing the same thing. Go look at Dubai, the Burj Khalifa is the tallest building in the world. What is it doing? It's the Tower of Babel all over again. Look at technology, look at the iPhone. What, what's on the back of the iPhone? It's the image of a fruit with with a with a with a. It's bitten into. What is that? I, to me, I'm like, that's the, that's that's trying to mock God, like saying, the, the uh, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. And we know it because we got the technology. We can do all this and that. We got artificial intelligence. We got everything scoped. Maybe I'm maybe it's a stretch. But either way, I believe there's 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 something behind all that. And it, it's it's man priding himself in his own accomplishments. Who gave you the brain? I like what Daniel said. Who gave you the dirt? <laughs> Go get your own dirt. God creates all things, so he should be honored and praised simply for the fact that he is God, he is the creator, he is life without creation. He's not a created being. Me and you are created beings. We can only create out of materials that are already here. But he doesn't need anything, and he creates, and he's endless, and he's matchless, and he's timeless. And that's a beautiful thing. You see, there's a special blessing tied to obedience to authority. There's there's, there's blessings tied to this, but there's also significant curses brought about by disobedience. I think we've all experienced both sides of the same coin. When you're obedient, you're blessed, even if your circumstances are difficult. Because people will say, well, Joseph wasn't blessed. What was he not? Really? He went through hard times. He went through difficult times. But in the end, it all worked out. He was blessed. And there were things that he could only learn in the in the the difficult state that he was in. So he was blessed, even though his circumstances don't look right. We have to understand, church, he's trying. The Lord is trying to give us a supernatural peace that passes all understanding. That means it's not it's not it's not circumstantial. That's not real peace. If if you have to, if, if the only time you have peace is when everything goes right in your life, man, you're gonna be sore the whole time. If you think this is a perfect church, leave. This is not a perfect church. We are a bunch of sinners. We are a bunch of broken people. Your pastors broken. There's no church this side of heaven that's perfect. And people go church hopping all the time, thinking they're gonna go to the right place. Well, they got this children's ministry. They got this. Oh, I like the way the pastor speak. Oh, I like this uh, thing, thing they got. I mean, come on now. Just go somewhere where you're going to hear the word of God uncompromised, not the pastor's opinion, not 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 a sideshow, but the word of God. But there are blessings attached to being obedient and there are curses attached to being disobedient. Today we will specifically look at the blessings attached to those who truly, humbly fear God in all that they do. Like it's a lifestyle. You've come to know, it's like, man, I have a holy fear of God. I, I understand who he is. And remember, we, we, have to have, we have to have the right foundation and the right context when, when we hear fear God. Because people that don't understand the Word of God or they haven't been exposed to it, they're going to say, fear of God? Well, I don't want to be afraid. Why am I supposed to live in fear? My, my, my children like watching that movie, The Crudes. And, uh, you know, the dad's like, always be fearful. <laughs> always be fearful. It's like they're, um, you know, they're prehistoric. And, you know, so they're scared of the dark. And when they, they, whenever the dark comes, they go into the cave. And they're afraid. But that's not the kind of fear that the Bible's talking about. it's deeper than a reverence, but reverence has something to do with it. It's recognizing that he's God and we're not. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) Do you want to be wise in your own eyes? Or do you want God almighty to impart revelation to you so that you can understand the true meaning of things, not just human understanding? That's what it means to fear the Lord. So, For those who truly fear God, things will go well with them. And we'll also look at the disappointments of those who refuse to fear God and choose to live opposed to him. At at the end of the day, church, there's only two trains of thought in life. You're either going to fear God and honor him, the true God, the God of Israel, not all these little G's, because there's a million bunch of little G's all over this planet. The true God of Israel, you're either going to submit your life to him and live in a humble fear of him and a holy fear of him and be exalted because of your you humbling yourself before the true and living God. Or you are going to live in a prideful manner apart from the true and living God. And even though you may have seasons of your life where you obtain things and and you prosper in some form or fashion materially or according to the world standards, you will be cursed. Those are the only two lines of thought in life. You look at people, that's what it is. Whether you're a musician, whether you're an actor or an actress, whether you're a sports player, whether you're a politician, whether if you're an average Joe that just works a a, a blue-collar job, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or whatever you are, those are the two camps. Today, you have to decide, I have to decide, where do I want to sit, amen? Amen. All right, we have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. However well you and I try to portray ourselves to other people, God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. No matter how we we dress ourselves up, no matter how we try to, to make ourselves seem to other people, God knows our hearts. You see, in verse 10, we see the statement, then I saw the wicked buried. And they used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. You see right here, Solomon saw those buried, the people that were buried. They, they were wicked men in places of high ranking position and authority. They were somebody's here on the earth. They could have been princes, rulers, counselors, tribunals or even priests. We understand from the text that these individuals thought too highly of themselves and abused the authority given to them by God. They weren't humble. They didn't live righteous lives. They abused the authority and the power given to them. Instead of using their influence and authority for good, they were selfish in their dealings with people. They walked about in pride and arrogance, dressing themselves up in a manner that was purely wrong. When they died, they had extravagant burials. But while they lived life, their character was corrupt. It was corrupt. They deceived many by their appearance. Have you met, have you met people like that? Maybe, maybe you've been like that yourself in a season of your own life. Where you dressed yourself up in a certain way, and you 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 talked a certain way, and you, you 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 played a certain game, but but who you were on the outside was not who you were in your innermost being. You were you were double faced. You were hypocritical. You see, you and I may fool people by our act, but be sure God is not fooled. Galatians chapter six verses seven eight. And eight, excuse me, tell us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. It all comes out at some point. It all comes out. We cannot keep it hidden before the Lord. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 21 tells us be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Listen to that assurance. (laughs) The offspring of the righteous will be delivered. So so if if you're living your life and you're trying to honor the Lord, and this is the thing, church, right? I I don't know. Let me be choice of my words. The reality is this sanctification your walk with christ is not just this linear it just goes like this it's it's grimy it's rugged it it, you get down in the trenches then you go up then you go down then you go side to side it's not pretty i i don't know why some christians try to portray the walk with christ like it's just this Yes, it's beautiful in the sense that we know he saved us and that he's perfect and that he's righteous and we're striving to be like him. But the reality is in the, in, in, in the everyday thing of life, it's muck and mire and it's gruesome and it's grimy and it's janky and, it, and it's hard. Living the Christian life is the hardest thing to do. Because you're trying to live holy and separate from the world while being in the world while still rubbing shoulders with sinners and Satan and demons are throwing all kind of nonsense at you plus your own grimy heart, plus your own grimy flesh trying to tempt you. You see what I'm saying? So it's ugly. That's why you got to lock in to go hard after Christ. That's the real Christian life. And it's okay to say, Man, I'm tired. Man, I'm hurt. Man, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. That's why iron sharpens iron. That's why we have small groups during the week. Women get with women. Men get with men. Because if you go it alone, you will get eaten alive. You can't survive? You think I can survive without having men in my life that I'm accountable to? But we're only accountable for what we want to be accountable to. But it'll come out. Whether we're sowing to the flesh or we're sowing to the spirit. All right. The second main point is this. Because the Lord's judgment is not immediate. People continue to purpose in their hearts to do evil. That's so sad. I don't take any pleasure in, 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 in relaying this information But this is the truth. This is what the Bible says. It is very interesting because we know scripture is clear about the Lord's desire concerning sinners, which we are all them. You know, the youngsters say he is that or he is he, whatever. I'm 45 years old, so I'm not up to that lingo. But, you know, you are him. You are it. You are a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace. Nonetheless, you're a sinner. We all are. Nobody's above that. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 tells us, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as is like a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance that's the whole point of him being long-suffering towards you and me. He's like, man, I'm, he's like like, like, a, like, a good parent, right? A good parent seeing their child, like, man, you're wayward. Why are you doing that? And it's like, yes, there's time for discipline, but it's also in the same vein. It's like the parent loves the child so much, so it's like, hey, man, I'm giving you chance after chance after chance because I love you. Because if I let you go, you're going to be done. And that's how the Lord looks at us. He's like, I'm giving you chance and chance and chance and chance because He's like, if I let you go, you're going to hell meaning where only demons will be where Satan will be with demons it wasn't meant for human beings it's not going to be fun it's not going to be a party it's not going to be pretty it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth nobody's going to be blessed everyone's going to be cursing the name of the Lord continually forever forever you're going to be scared out your shimmies the whole time because it's nothing there but death and darkness and gloom who wants to go there? So that's why God is saying, come back to me, repent, love me. I'm the one who fearfully and wonderfully created you. I know exactly what's right for your life because I'm the one who created you. Come to me. Don't go your own way. I gave you gifts and talents and treasures so you could glorify my name and be blessed and be utilized in the earth so that you can bring about goodness and love and joy to the lives of other people. But don't do it your own way. Do it the way I've intended That's why he said, don't have sex before marriage. It gets screwy when you start doing stuff like that. And that's not a knock to people that did it. I did it. I'm not perfect, but what I'm saying is he tells everybody, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your mother and your father. Why? So it'll go good with your life. But if you go against the ways of God and you think you're wise in your own eyes, even if you have a season of what you think is fruitfulness, what is just you just indulging your flesh and the sensories, your five senses of your body, you're going to end up broken in the end. Go his way and you'll always come out on top. (laughs) Man, I get fired up about this because it's so real, church. It ain't a joke. You see, part of fulfilling his promise is that his perfect righteous judgment is going to go against all sin. He cannot overlook it because he's holy. He's set apart. Sin entered the world because of disobedience and he has to render righteous judgment upon every sin. That's why Christ came. Because he said, I don't want to annihilate you. I mean, that's mind boggling. He said, I'm going to annihilate my son and allow him to be separated from me for three whole days in eternity. Because remember, the Godhead has community within itself, himself. He's not an it. Forgive me, Lord. He himself, right? It's Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They got communion and community within themselves. They don't need anything. But in his his infinite love and in his wisdom, he decided to create mankind. And then mankind screwed up, messed it all up. And then he said, man, I don't want to annihilate you because you're my crown creation. So I'm going to give my only son to die in your place so that you can be redeemed and have fellowship with me again. So he took it upon himself. That's why Jesus hung on the cross on that on the uh, on that tree and said, "Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? I've never been apart from you, and now I must be apart from you." That was that was why he was in Gethsemane and and it was dripping drips of blood, you know, sweating drips of blood, saying, "I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours." I'll go to the cross. He was hundred percent man in his God in his godness. He 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 he. He expressed and he understood the horrific thing he had to do. It's not easy. I wouldn't go to a cross for none of y'all. I'm just keeping it real. I'm a big old baby. I don't want to be bleeding. I don't want to. I don't want to get scourged and have a crown of thorns put You know, but he did all that because he loves you and me so much. So these are the things that you and I have to think about before we make decisions in life. And say, is what I'm doing, is what I'm about to do going to honor the Lord? Or am I going to grieve the heart of God? Like how when we make poor choices, we grieve our parents' hearts. Our text says in verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, quickly, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. So because people genuinely, or excuse me, genuinely, generally, excuse me, getting tongue-tied. Because some people generally don't experience immediate punishment and consequences for their actions, they see fit in their thinking to continue to do evil. I ain't got caught! I'm going to go do it again! (laughs) You see, many people fail to see how serious and widespread this kind of behavior actually is. There are countless stories of people who set out to steal, embezzle, commit fraud, cheat, all kind of stuff. You just point you fill in the blank. They do it once and they don't get caught. And because they got away with it once, they purpose in their hearts and their minds to do it again. The reality is for all of us, apart from being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, this is the predicament people of all races Cultures tribes find themselves in we all are in that same boat unless we get saved it's a hopeless state where we're going to continue to do the same action over and over and over and over and over again you might be sophisticated in how you look. Remember what Mark was saying these people that you know they're over on the other side of the world and they're they're doing all this elaborate stuff and you know they seem really intelligent but they're just thieves they're just crooks they're just they're just intelligent crooks it's the same thing all over again because they don't have Christ Once again we see clearly that apart from Jesus humanity cannot break the cycle of sin in our lives You know we we want all this we want to feed the hungry. That's a noble cause. We want to end racism. That's a noble cause. None of those things are going to happen apart from Jesus Christ. We talked about it last week at extent. You can march all you want. If you ain't marching for Jesus Christ, it really ain't going to do any good. You need the Lord. It's him who can do all things. Amen. All right. The third main point is this. I'm sure everyone will be happy to hear this. (laughs) It will go well with those who truly fear God. That's not my promise. That's what the scripture says. If you fear God, it will go well with you. The fact that the principle of the fear of God is not only the theme of Ecclesiastes, but a common theme throughout the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, should speak to us of how serious this is to the Lord. This is serious business, church. He ain't playing games when he wants your full attention. He demands it. This is non-negotiable. This isn't like, well, I, you know, I, I, if I want to, no, you need to. Because it's for your own good. It's for my own good. To live out of a posture that simply honors and fears God is vital To experience the freedom Christ is calling you to walk in. Did you hear what I said, church? If you want to experience freedom in Christ, then there needs to be a humble, holy fear in your heart for Him. Being lived out on a daily basis. Is that you today? Do you fear God? Do you revere god for who he is you look up and you see the clouds and you see the mountains and you see the birds you just wake up and you see your heart beating your soul still in your body are you like praise god thank you lord i I thank you for for keeping me alive for giving me breath in my lungs and do you in a healthy sense tremble at the thought of who god is are you in awe of Him? Do you hate sin in your own life because it dishonors God? If you can honestly answer yes to these questions, I genuinely believe. You truly fear God, but but that's for you to answer, and that's your business. That's between you and the Lord. I have my own circumstance that I have to ask myself these same questions if I truly do feel this way. When we honestly walk in the fear of God, we will supernaturally, so you can't explain it, you can't put it on a chart, I can't give you a pie graph and say this is how it works, Because it's not, it's supernatural, but if you honestly walk in the fear of God, you will supernaturally grow in your innermost being to take hold of the true life in Christ that you were meant to live. That's the only way it works. That's the only way it works, but it does work. You see, despite our circumstances, because some people will say, Well, you don't know what I go through. It's so hard. And I'll say, You know what? I don't know what you go through. And I could only imagine the pain and the the difficulties that you have to walk through. I, I don't know why the Lord allows some people to suffer so much in this life and other people he doesn't allow to suffer so much. But I do know this, despite our circumstances, we will always be better off than those who don't fear God. Think of Job. I don't know. I mean, we we were given insight because Satan wanted to see if Job would disobey and God said you could do everything to him, but kill him. He lost his family. He lost his livestock. He got boils. His wife cursed him and said, die. All those things happened to him, but he remained faithful and it ended up good for him. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 tells us, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And was being built up. Someone say being built up. There you go. Don't you want that? I want that. And look, and, and the next it says, this is the church. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So how does the church grow? And I'm not necessarily talking about numbers. They, could, they are talking about numbers here, but they're also talking about the maturity of the church. Because they're being built up. It happened because they were walking in the fear of the Lord. You see how integral this is to your walk and my walk, church? You cannot separate the fear of God and Jesus Christ. If you do not fear God, you can't say you walk with the Lord. It's just not, it, just, it just does not compute. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses a little deeper. So looking at verse 10, it says, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is also vanity. Solomon witnessed here. Men, wicked men, abusing power. Similar to our day and age. There are some in authority that flaunt their authority in pride and in arrogance. They're they're not good people. They're They're not justified in how they abuse their authority. They live lives that are far from being humble and act as if they are above the common person. They think that people are beneath them. That's never a good thing. The saddest thing about all this, those who would act in this manner uh, in a pompous way, in an arrogant way, is that death is the great equalizer. You see, no matter how rich or poor in worldly possessions you are, everyone must face death. You got all the money in the world, <laughs> You're still going to die at some point. All your money is not going to save you from taking your last breath. And then you're going to have to leave all that money, all that wealth, all that land to somebody else. You're not taking it with you wherever you're going to go. And if you can't face the unwavering prospect of death with confidence, then you're in for an unruly surprise. Like, I don't want to die today, but if I was, if I was have to die today, then I'm okay. Because I know where my hope lies. If you can't answer that right now, church, give your heart over to the Lord and you can answer that. You can be sure before you leave this building today, if you were to die today, you know where you're going to go. And you know that you're good with the Lord. Because his love is for all that would humble themselves before him. The reason the wicked, this is important to understand, church, the reason the wicked flaunt their authority and prestige and lack humility is because they have come to a place in their lives where they simply don't realize that everything they have has been given to them or been allowed to be gained. Because some people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I have the right to do this. I've worked so hard. Granted, you probably did work very hard. But who gave you the breath in your lungs to work hard? Who gave you the intellect to be able to figure out what to do? Who gave you the ability to get to the job, to build a a steady career and do all that? God did. It comes from His hand. So the people that flaunt their authority and their prestige, they lack humility because they haven't put the pieces together yet. They have not figured out that it's the Lord who grants. And so they're walking around in this kind of way because they they think that they've done it. They think that because their hand's in it that they own it. But truly they don't. Even their very life is a gift from God. But they refuse to acknowledge this irrefutable truth. Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 tell us. For him... For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, and all things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, he just says it right there. It's Christ. he's the one that's why we adore him that's why we sing praises to him that's why we worship him that's why we talk about him that's why we're called christians we're followers after christ because he's the one he's the anointed one he's the messiah he's the one that saves souls he's the one who's defeated cell hell sin death in the grave not anyone else not any other false god Jesus alone is the only reason why anyone has life and has been able to obtain anything in this life. But when you and I are blinded to this fact, we can use our wealth, prominence, or prestige as basically, get this, a security blanket. Just like little Linus in the Peanuts, sucking his thumb with that raggedy, dirty old blanket. Protecting himself. You got grown men and women doing the same thing with money and wealth and status and stature and looks and all the others. People flaunt their wealth, their prestige, their talent or whatever it is to compensate for the fact that deep down in their innermost being, they are insecure. They're insecure. They don't know who they are. They actually don't know who they really are. So what do they do? They create a persona. They create an image to live by. They create an identity for themselves. But ultimately, church, all identities are flawed unless they are found in Jesus Christ. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your your personal flavor or your personal flair. Okay? Okay. You know, like I'm not saying being a mindless zombie zombie, I'm not saying be a robot. But what I'm saying is where does your identity lie? Where do you get your identity from? Is it from the people you hang out with? Is it for, by the clothes because a lot of people buy Prada and Coach and Vendi and, and Louis Vuitton and whatever, maybe they buy Duluth if they're on the lower end of, you know, the totem pole when it comes to that and they're not spending a whole lot, they're thrifty. But it's like some people, that's what they do. They, uh, my identity is in my car. I'm, I'm worth something because I drive a, you know, 60, whatever, $100,000 car. It's like people think like that. They really do. And it's so sad. It's like what, because you wear MAC makeup, that, that's what makes you who you are? <laughs> that's not cool. Or your haircut? Or I got all these tattoos, so I'm this dude. Like really? Like that's who you really are? When, when you peel all that back, who are you really? We have to ask ourselves this church. Solomon witnessed these men abusing their power throughout life and then they were honored with an elaborate burial. They had much business in the city and went in and out of the holy place and were honored. Again, this could have been corrupt priests, counselors, or the king's officials. Either way, The whole point Solomon is making is that it was vanity and meaningless. The fact that they were praised in the city receiving honor, but yet did not truly live honorable lives is something that we need to take note of. The application is this. Those who live a lifestyle of deception, especially those in positions of authority, should not be honored as such, whether they are in government whether they are in, you know, the police force. um, I mean, if they're in the church house, you got to get rid of them. You got, I mean, I don't want to say get rid of them, but step down. If I'm ever acting out like that, you know, Lou, Daniel, Sal, they're going to have to get me out because that's just what it is. An example of this, uh, this is uh, from an article from the New York Times from this week. Um, Forgive me if I mispronounce this uh, gentleman's name, but a pastor in Denver who said that God told him to sell cryptocurrency that could not be cashed, is facing civil charges along with his wife for marketing a digital coin that prosecutors said was practically worthless and used the proceeds to support a lavish lifestyle. Like, I don't take any pleasure in sharing this, but I got to share the truth. The pastor, uh, Eligo Rigaldo, and his wife, Caitlin Rigaldo, were charged on Thursday in a civil complaint filed in Denver uh, District Court by the Colorado Attorney General's office. The agency said that the couple created, marketed, and sold a cryptocurrency that they called Index Coin through a cryptocurrency exchange, which they also ran. Prosecutors said that the couple who had no experience in cryptocurrency exchange marketed the index coin to Christians in Denver and raised nearly three point two million dollars from more than 300 people who bought it from June 2022 to April 2023. Mr. Rigaldo and his wife then used the money for themselves. The Colorado Division of Security said only time will tell if uh, Mr. Rigaldo truly heard from the Lord. I'm I'm not as judge, but I'm just saying that that's an example right there. This brings us back to the grave importance of knowing our true identity in Jesus Christ, church. When you and I truly do desire to seek after the kingdom of heaven first, everything else will be added on to us. You're not going to be doing no schemes. You're not going to be trying to hustle to make an extra buck in an ill manner. Because you're seeking after the kingdom of heaven and he's giving you what you need. Who in this room lacks anything? No hands are raised. Because everyone here has everything they need. You see, when people get off track, it's because they're led by their selfish, fleshly desires. And their fleshly desires are not being matched and given what they want, and so they complain and gripe. But they got everything they need already. It's like a big little kid. You're complaining because you don't have that? But do you have a roof over your head? Do you have clothes on your back? Do you have health? Do, can you take a shower? Do you have a meal that you can eat in the day? Multiple meals. Well, then you got what you need. <laughs> Unfortunately, this man got into the cryptocurrency and, 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 and schemed other brothers and sisters in Christ and said, the Lord told me to do it. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't need $3.2 million that bad. Trust me, you could check the books. Ask Lou, I ain't spending your money like that. We don't get down like that. Seeking the kingdom of heaven first looks like asking for spiritual eyes of our hearts to be open. Because some people will say, well, how do I seek the kingdom of heaven first? How do I do it? Show me how I can apply it to my life. Well, I just did ask the Lord to open up the eyes of your heart so they are no longer darkened. Ask him to give you supernatural anointing so you're able to discern truth from error, good from evil. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him to give you a holy fear of him. You see, the apostle Paul understood this. And so he prayed for the people of God that they would have spiritual sight. You wanted them to see in the supernatural, beyond all of this, to see see the motive behind the person that's giving you all of these uh, flattering comments. What's the motive behind it? Because not every motive is genuine. Sometimes people will flatter you because they have some kind of scheme behind what they're trying to do. Not everybody that brushes up to you is genuine about being nice to you. They want to take from you or they want to do something to you. You and I need discernment to recognize who is who in the bigger scheme of things. Paul prayed that the church would receive discernment from God and have the power of the revelation from heaven given to them. Paul was focused on the things that you can't see, not the things that you can see. He understood that this visible world is not real. It's all fading away. But the invisible world in the spirit will last forever. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 16 through 21. Forget me spewing. Listen to the word of God. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. For we are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I know that's a mouthful. But really you hone in on the fact that he says Open up the eyes of your hearts that he will do it and that you are the riches of his glorious inheritance. And that's a beautiful thing. Do you think of yourself like that when you think of who you are in Christ? He doesn't think you're scum. He thinks you're so great that, that, that that's why he wanted to save you. You're that precious to him. We need to not have an identity crisis, church. Unless the eyes of our hearts become open by the revelation given by God, you will be lost and never, and always in a never-ending identity crisis. That's why people are walking around identity crisis. They don't know who they are, especially nowadays. It sickens me with, with, with the children. And it's like, we talk about it. I don't know why I'm talking about this every week, but I'll say it again. A man can only be a man. A woman can only be a woman. Don't you dare touch them little children, man. they trying to mess these little children up. Trying to tell him to do all this, you could be that. No, you can't be that. No, it wasn't, you weren't messed up at birth. No, it wasn't any of that. That's a sin just like heterosexual lust. That's to say this is a sin just like a person who who, who, who can't get money out of their minds and always trying to make money. You know, I'm not belittling people that struggle with that, but 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 Christ is the way Christ can break that in the person. But everybody in the world is having an identity crisis, you know, except everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Christ accepts everybody, but then he's going to save them, not just accept everybody. And we just do whatever we want. I mean, they they're talking about stuff that I don't even understand anymore. I don't even know what the, it's, it's crazy. How can you be no sex? Why? Unless you're a eunuch. Unless they took away your, your reproductive organs, how could you be no sex? But that's the world where, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It really is. How do, how do you think these kids, from, they, I mean, what, TK, they got some initiative from TK on. And then they go hard in fifth grade. Well, ain't no fifth grader need to hear about that. So parents, you better up your children on what is real. Especially if they're in the public school. My kids are in the public school. Well, my daughter's not right now, but my son is. And you best believe we ain't letting them just do whatever they want. Because they're trying to mess these children up, mess the next generation up. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes, but I had to share it okay we're talking about our identity this this is why it's so important church for you and i to understand and know our identity in christ okay first of all you are chosen i'm just going to share a few because there's a whole lot i looked it up and you get for sure you could at least find 31 i'm just sharing with you three three or four okay you're chosen john chapter 15 verse 16 says you did not choose me But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. So you're chosen. Do you think of yourself as chosen today, this morning? I'm chosen, man. I'm a chosen child of God. Number two, you are free. Galatians chapter four, verse seven says you are. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, and if you're a woman, obviously woman, that's just the language they use. No, they're not sexist. (laughs) But a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So you're an heir of God. Do you think of yourself as that? Are you free? Do you see yourself as free and liberated? That's who you are. That's who God says you are. I think for some of us, we need to stop seeing ourselves as we see ourselves and start looking at ourselves for how God actually sees us. Because that's how Satan worms his way in. He just puts a thought in there. See, you ain't nothing. You're junk. Look at it. You're trash. God's just like, come on, man. Look at my word. My word is telling you who you are in me. Don't listen to those unclean thoughts that are coming from the realm of darkness. You are forgiven. This is what the Bible says about you. You are forgiven. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many? All, everything. Past, present, future. What you haven't even done yet. What I haven't done yet. Probably this afternoon. (laughs) It's going to be cleansed, man. Do you see yourself as forgiven this morning? That's what the Bible says you are. That's what God of Almighty says you are. You are a new person. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you see yourself as a new creation? It's a supernatural thing. You may look the same. Well, really, you won't even look the same because the aura and your countenance will change. But, you, you know, you've got the same flesh, but you're supernaturally different. You're recharged. You're strong. You're, you're vibrant. You've got peace. you got love. you got joy. You're growing in patience. Do you see yourself as a new person today? You see, this is just a few scriptures that go to lengths to express to us who we are as children of God. Do you see, church, why it's so important to understand your identity is in Christ Jesus? Because the world is trying to tell everybody a whole bunch of other stuff about who they are. Church, don't, don't be the elect That, that that's going to get deceived. Now, obviously, the Bible says the elect could not be deceived. But if time was made longer, we may even be deceived. So he put a cap on everything because he's like, no, you're not taking... You're not taking Israel and you're not taking the church. (laughs) So, 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 so saints, we need to know who we are in Christ so that when it hits and the difficulties of life come right at your door, you're able to know who you are in Christ and stand strong up against the attacks. That's why sometimes we falter is because we don't know who we are. We forget. You can't forget, man. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. You got to know it. You got to know it. You got to know it. Down in the innermost being of your soul, you gotta know who you are in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you will not be insecure. Hear me. If you struggle with insecurity, know who you are in Christ. That's it. If you know who you are in Christ, you're not gonna trip on what nobody says about you. I'm walking how I'm walking, I'm looking how I'm looking. What do they gotta say about it? I'm being a jerk. But there's a confidence there because you know who you are. It's like, man, if you're loved by the Father, what what does it matter what anybody else thinks? But we're over here posturing and posing and doing all this and that because we're really insecure because we don't know, we haven't received the love of Christ the way we should have. And so we're looking to this person and that person to, 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 you know, validate us. No, don't look to no man or no woman to validate you. God has validated you. If they don't accept you for who you are, man, peace, kick rocks, I'm gone. Get around some people who will receive you for who you are and love you for who you are, just like God does. If you know who you are in Christ, you won't overcompensate and compromise because you know who you are in Jesus again. If you know who you are in Christ, when hard times come, you won't fall away. That's it. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying you ain't going to cry tears out. I'm not going to say you're not going to go through difficult times, but you ain't going to fall away because you know who you are in Christ. And when things are good, you will always give credit to God Almighty for providing the blessings you richly enjoy. You will learn to live with contentment in Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Not a little bit, but great gain. Godliness with contentment. Man, I'm fired up. All right, let's look, through, look at 11 through 13, and then we'll wrap it up. It says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear him a fear before him excuse me but it will not be well with the wicked neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God okay this is very important to understand because it gets misinterpreted a lot one of the most common mistakes that people make is misinterpreting misinterpreting the nature of God. One nature of God's of of, of God's uh, character is he's tremendously patient with rebellious humanity, right? Some people will say, "Well, God's all love." Well, no, he's not. God's also jealous. He's, you know, his wrath will come out, but he is uh, patient with rebellious humanity. That's kind of what we're focusing on right now hey God is 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 exceedingly long-suffering. He's exceedingly beyond what you and I could even imagine. He He deals with us. He copes with us when it's like us as human beings. We would have wrote each other off a long time ago, <laughs> had it not been the Lord. Many 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 of one's marriage would probably be written off if it wasn't for Christ being in the center. That's why I say don't don't look to your spouse to to. To to you know get your credibility or, or to make you feel good in that sense like you need to feel good because you know that Christ is there Christ's got to be the glue between you a husband and a wife that's how you stay together happily <laughs> despite all of the issues of life but he puts up with so much I mean, he he doesn't strike immediately but oftentimes judgment doesn't come for for months if not years. And because it appears that an evil person is getting away with their evil actions, people begin to misinterpret the long-suffering love of God. Because he doesn't execute his judgment quickly, many times people think that they're getting away with it. Oh, well, God hasn't done anything yet, so I must be all good. I must be in the clear. He ain't told me I did nothing wrong. Look, I keep getting these checks from the government, even though I'm not supposed to. (laughs) They ain't said nothing. It must be okay. (sighs) Thinking that they have been clever and have hid their sin from God. But the Bible is crystal clear. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. It always comes out. It always comes out. You never get away with it. Everything I've ever done, I've never, and I've done a whole lot. (laughs) I've never gotten away with anything. It always comes out in the end. I didn't ever tell y'all a story about one of the tattoos I got when me and Veronica got married. I got some little small tattoo, and I I always tell her everything. I didn't tell her about it. (laughs) And I went, there was a shop on San Carlos where you just walk in. So you don't got to make appointments. So my, my, my buddy wasn't there. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go to the shop. I normally went to, I want to I get this tattoo real bad. And I got the tattoo and I didn't say nothing. And, you know, I tried to hide it. And eventually it came out. And obviously, as you can imagine, you know, there was an argument. And, well, it wasn't really an argument. I was just in the doghouse and it wasn't good. But it was because my sin found me. I had something stupid like that, like a tattoo, you know. what, you know. But that was already, like, as she said, it's like, what's wrong with your heart? <laughs> that you got to hide that. Like, what do you got to hide that? So in any, I always use myself in this example. Okay, you can crash dummy. But anyways, it's like, if we feel like we got to hide something, we got to have enough wisdom and sense to know then we shouldn't be doing it. Like it's not right. Or just just come out in the open and say what you want to (laughs) do. And it's either going to be a yes or a no. But to hide it, again, like Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. And that's a fatal mistake to make. Because God does know, he does see, he does care, and he will judge. The reality is, Abba God doesn't judge immediately because he's giving people the opportunity to turn to him and repent. Remember, his desire is that none perish. But the second coming of Christ, that's going to happen suddenly. (laughs) That's going to happen quickly, and it's not going to be time to repent when that time comes. He's going to crack the sky. He's going to come like a thief in the night. People are not going to be expecting him and he's going to show up. You don't want to be like one of those virgins that don't have enough oil in their lamp and then they can't get in. You want to be like, I'm prepared. I'm ready at any moment, Lord. You know, we were talking about that on Thursday. Keith is like, man, you don't want to die the the day before. You had a heart attack the day before. (laughs) You prepping all this for the second coming of Christ and you didn't even make it. You died right before. So, you know, we need to be ready at any given moment. The next statement says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear him before. Or they fear before him, excuse me. Even though an unrepented person may live a long life on earth, does not mean that he or she is getting away with anything. You know, some people think that they're like, man, it ain't caught up to me yet. And I've been, man, I've been living 50 years since I did all that. And ain't nobody said nothing. I got away with it. No, you didn't. Let me let it chew in on a secret. Just because a person has financial prosperity doesn't necessarily mean that they are blessed. And just because a person has little material wealth doesn't mean that they're not blessed and vice versa. I don't want to, I don't mean to be a dead horse, but I want to paint this picture because some people think just because they got money, they're blessed. And some people think because they don't have money, they're not blessed. But you can be either or for either situation because it all comes down to a matter of the heart. That is what the scripture is trying to convey to us. An unrepented person will not prosper in the spirit because they have chosen in their heart to live apart from God. They don't want to obey. And so they're not going to be blessed. While the person who fears God has decided in their heart to submit and obey their creator. Not perfectly, but that's their bend now. They're bending that way, right? To want to honor the Lord. But it will not be well with the wicked. That's the next statement. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he has done, uh, because he has not done evil uh, before God. Though one may keep a secret sin for many years, in the end it will all come out. Now, I'm going to give this example as I'm kind of winding this message down. And again, I I really don't take any pleasure in sharing this. I, I don't I don't I don't study and I don't find things throughout the week so I can point fingers at people. I really don't. It's it's what I believe the Lord is allowing me to understand and see so that I can convey to you or he can convey to you through me that these are real life examples that will, I hope, hit home to make it important to show you how serious this stuff is. Many of you know who Larry Nasser is. Former sports medicine physician. You guys know the horrific accounts, right? He was convicted for being a sex offender and a serial child molester. For 18 years, he was a team doctor of the USA Women's National Gymnastics Team, where he used his position to exploit and sexually assault hundreds of young athletes. In 2016, Nasser was charged with sexually assaulting at least 265 young women and girls under the guise of medical treatment. Almost 300 people he did this to. His victims included numerous Olympic and USA women's national team gymnasts. Nasser was sentenced to 60 years in federal prison on December 7, 2017. You see, he thought for 18 years he got away with his wicked actions, but eventually he was exposed and the truth came out. For every unrepented sinner, though their sin may not be as severe as this man, if not dealt with it, at some point it will surface. But for the one who fears God, it will be well with them. You see, this is the important thing, church. We, we, we just need to get right what and who we actually fear. Instead of fearing the devil, instead of fearing people, instead of fearing our circumstances, we need to fear God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be fearful about anything. He said, pray. Talk to God. Be, give thanksgiving to him and lay, lay your requests at his feet. Thank him for what he's already done. And he's going to bless you. We actually get this, church. We actually need to delight in the fear of God. Did you hear me? Delight in it. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11 tells us, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was the cupbearer to the king. Obviously, that's talking about when Nehemiah wanted to go back to uh, Israel to to rebuild uh, the walls. But he said, if you delight in fearing God, (laughs) it's going to bless you. I also think of Jabez. Little is known about him in scripture, but from what we do know about him, he, he feared God. First Chronicles chapter four verses nine and ten tell us Jabaz was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabaz, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabaz called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that I might not so it might not bring me pain. And God granted his what he asked. He granted it. The Lord blessed him because Jabez first sought out the God of Israel, and then he, he sought him. He said, he said I, I want to know you. I want you to expand my borders. I want you to, to tear down these, these, these wicked Canaanites and bring in God-fearing people. It's because his, his perspective was right, church. And, and Michelle and Isaiah can come up because I'm about to wrap it up right now. This is what we need, church. King Asa was in a similar position, but he didn't fear God. He had a foot disease. And in his foot disease, he sought out all the physicians. He didn't seek after the Lord. And the scripture says, I'm paraphrasing it, but the scripture said, you know, his reign came to an end. Basically saying that if he would have sought the Lord first and and praise God for medical professions. I'm not saying that we don't use medical professions and all the things that the Lord can do through doctors and medicine. Yes, yes, he could do that. But who do you go to first? You go to the Lord first and it'll be well with you. You see, the level of which we experience the Lord's blessing in our lives in some ways depends on the order in which we position him. If we desire for him to be involved in every event in our lives and we put him first, we can count on being blessed in many shapes and sizes. But if we go it alone and don't seek out his counsel in our lives and we put him last, then we shouldn't be surprised if we don't experience the blessings we never sought out for. This is the last thing about Jabez, which I thought was pretty cool. He never made the blessing an idol or the end goal. It was all about finding his security in the God of all creation. For the follower of Jesus Christ, the fear of God is the only way to live. Joshua chapter 4 verse 24 says, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for just the revelation of your word. I thank you for just what you've shared with us as we need to have a holy fear of you. And there's so much blessing in that. May, may our honor and, and, and our appreciation for you go far beyond our words, but may it be shown in our actions, the way we treat you, the way we treat others around us, the way we treat ourselves. or may we, again, just live a, a, a holy, humble life, a simple life, that would be used in a mighty way to be a blessing to the world around us. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.